Why do you think over 60% of the US lives paycheck to paycheck? Because that's comfortable. Also, it's easy. It's easy to not have any friction because as soon as you tell somebody, hey, you're not going to live paycheck to paycheck anymore. You're going to work an extra two hours a day when you get home from work and build a side hustle and start making more money. Now nah, I'm good. I'd rather watch Netflix. <laughs> if you don't push people and you don't give people some type of trauma, like no one actually listens. Mm. But then I realized like not a lot of people are actually that smart. Not a lot of people have common sense either. Welcome to the Digital Social Hour. I'm your host today, Sean Kelly, and I'm joined with my guest today, Jason Wojo. How we doing? Good, man. Thanks Good. for having me. We out here in Miami today. Yeah, dude, it's a dope vibe. Appreciate it. Not bad, right? Uh, so give people a brief summary of what you've done and what you're working on. Yeah, so um, I'm a digital marketing agency owner. Uh, I run paid ads for coaches, consultants, service providers, e-com stores. Uh, we have 240 plus clients, 50 plus team members. Um, Right now, I'm honestly just working on scaling out the agency, and then I'm actually starting a coaching business that I'm taking my face away from. Going to automate that and then try to sell it for an exit. Nice. So that's the game plan right now. I saw you've generated over $100 million with paid ads. What industries were the most successful, you'd say? Um, It's been definitely coaches, consultants, and like local service providers for sure. Mostly high-ticket stuff. So like solar, roofing, mm -hmm. um, you know, cabinet coating, like home service-based stuff. Uh, e-com stores do well, but we can't control the client's margins as much mm. because of like credit reasons because they don't want to buy enough inventory or their relationship with suppliers. Um, other ones are agency owners too. I also work with agency owners. I have a whole coaching program on that. So I help agency owners scale from zero to 10K a month. So nice. that, that's been pretty fulfilling because that's where all my like all my best students come from and then we get them into the DFY. So like that's why I'm doing the coaching because the coaching is the front end and then they get upsell into the dfy to where it's hands off mm. speaking of 10k a month you made a claim <laughs> that uh all guys should make 10k a month and if not you got to reevaluate your life yeah i mean I, I just think it's like in today's world like we were just talking before and it's so easy to make money it's like you need to focus on a high income skill set if you're not focusing on a high income skill set and you're only focused on other things like getting a girlfriend or the gym or whatever your focus is it's like you're you're unidimensional Mm. If you don't have a high income skill set, then you can't actually like protect and provide for somebody at scale. I think it's too easy right now. Like all you need to make the whole stats, like $300 a day, $333 a day. Like that's not a lot of money to make, mm. but people associate with the amount of money they make with the amount of time they put in, which is completely a fallacy. Right. So how old were you when you started making 10 K a month? Uh, I was 19. Wow. Um, so I had like maybe a couple clients at the time I was living in New York. And I was working with local businesses like barbershops, restaurants. And then I moved from New York to Florida. Mm -hmm. And then I got my biggest client, which was a mortgage lender that mm -hmm. was paying me like $7,500 a month. And that's how I took the hike to 10K a month was off one client. Yeah. And that was an exciting time. I will say there's a lot of money in that real estate space, man, because oh. I just had a networking event and this real estate company just covered the whole bill, sponsored the whole thing, gave us a venue, paid for all the drinks. Yeah. And it's pretty crazy because they pay like 20K for those open houses. Oh, wow. Yeah, just to set everything up. So if you could just say, hey, I'll bring 300 high-level people here. Can you just get me a venue and pay for everything? Yeah. They'll do dude, it. That's awesome. Yeah, so little hacks like that are cool. Um, what about the Penguin Zero stuff? How did that happen? So I made this video um, basically talking about people who go to the gym. Mm -hmm. And uh, Joey Swole 
reposted it, then Bryce Hall reposted it, and then Penguins picked it up, made a reaction video, basically saying like, "Oh, I'm an Andrew Tate clone or a clown <laughs> or whatever." What he what he was claiming, but he goes through the video and like just like as I'm talking, he just like is pausing and then he's giving his input, and um, he basically was saying that you know the stuff that I'm saying is is very like just very bold mm-hmm. and how it's like. Um, you know, just very demeaning for men who are trying to figure out their life. And I was like, if you don't push people and you don't give people some type of trauma, like no one actually listens. Mm. I feel like the only way men or even people in general will listen is if you give them trauma. Like I only feel – all things that I've learned in my life, I've only learned from massive trauma. So going through something that really sets you back in a way where it's like like I don't want to deal with that again. It's kind of like the donut concept with with people who are overweight. Let's say you're 350 pounds – and, you know, you have to go through all the trial and error of losing weight, going to the gym, doing all your crunches, running, all that, like, stress, anxiety, and all that pressure on your body. Once you lose all that weight, the next time you pick up a donut, the donut is actually not a sign of what you're going back to. The donut is something where it's like a signal to the things you don't want to go through again. Mm. So it's like you need to associate what you're pushing your life through with with something that you don't want to deal with back again so it's like either for people who've been homeless once don't want to go homeless again Mm -hmm. people who lost the love of their lives they don't want to deal with that again like that that trauma makes men's shift and move in the right direction Mm, i could relate to that when you say you went through some trauma what was that like for you um the trauma was honestly just behind the fact that i had to see mine wasn't that insane my trauma was is derived from my parents. Mm -hmm. So like them saying, Hey man, like you either have to move out or you have to pay us rent. Mm. And I was like, well, I don't want to pay you rent. (laughs) So I'm just going to move out. And also like my dad was always so hard on me. Like even when I used to play basketball when I was a kid, like he would always be like, Oh, you didn't score a lot tonight. Like what a disappointment of a son, like, like stuff like that. And it was like really demoralizing. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Um, because when I was growing up, I was really good at basketball, like really good when I was in middle school, going to high school, mm-hmm. and I was keeping up with everybody's like heights. So, you know, also my weight. But then as I got into 10th grade, 11th grade, dude, I did not hit puberty at all, mm. like zero. And that's when my parents realized like I can't really compete at a high level anymore because I was 4'11 and like 70 pounds, mm-hmm. really tiny. In high school? In high school, yeah. Whoa. And then once I hit 10th and 11th grade... I did not grow because 10th and 11th grade is where everybody just randomly just sprouts up that one summer. Yeah. And then they're going into like their, their college form. And I just didn't. Wow. And I didn't hit puberty at all. So then I had to take HGH to finally like accelerate my like puberty. Yeah. And um, I think my dad kind of felt guilty about that because he thought that it was like the father to the son thing. Right. And I missed out because I didn't – like, dude, if I'm driving through the lane and I'm 70 pounds and a kid bumps me on the leg and he's 110, 120, I'm not going through. Yeah. So I just couldn't compete that well. 70 in high school. I thought I weighed very little. I was 130 in high school. Oh, my God. But I'm 6'5". Yeah, you're but tall as hell. I, I was a twig, man, because <laughs> I, I did distance running. So I just couldn't gain you got weight. long strides. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. I saw you also went to culinary school after high school. What was that about? Uh, so I was working at a cafe, uh, when I was 15, 16 years old doing like breakfast food, lunch food. Um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my life. So I was like, all right, like I could either try something randomly, go to school for like, you know, general arts, what what people do just to like kind of find themselves. Or I could just go to school for like what I've been doing for the last two years was working at a cafe. Like, okay, find food. Like I had no direction. I had no one to tell me like, Hey man, you should do this. I had no one to hold me accountable. I was just basically forced 
to like go find something. Like my dad was like, you got to go to school for something, figure it out. Like you got to make money. You got to get a job. So I was like, all right, I'll go to culinary school. I was there for a year. Dude, I literally hated it. Really? There was this guy who came to speak one day and we were in a conference, like in the auditorium. He was like, hey man, uh, you going into you know, culinary, you're going to make $15 an hour to start. And I was like, $15 an hour. I was like, dude, that doesn't even, that doesn't sound like a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then that's the day where I literally got out of that conference. I called my mom and I was like, hey, like, I don't think I'm going to finish these four years. Like, this is yeah. kind of a joke. Yeah. And, um, you know, my, my mom and dad were kind of concerned, but then I moved back in with them. Then I went to business school and I was just living at home and I was working three jobs and I was playing college tennis because I was really good at tennis because I couldn't play basketball that well in high school. So then I wound up finishing high, high school with tennis and I was really good at that. Mm. But I mean, that was, that was kind of the premise of it, but I just couldn't stand like being in the kitchen, six hour labs, like culinary is a terrible niche for making a lot of money, unless you're going to make your own restaurant. Like that's really where the money's at. But if you're just doing that to like cook and that's it, I mean, you're going to make like 45, 50 grand a year. That's not a lot of money. It's not good at all. What about private chefs? Private chefs, I mean, depends on like who picks them up, but they could do like, you know, six figures, 150 the most probably, but you got to get picked up by a celebrity who's willing to spend 10 grand, 12 grand a month on food. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you got to have someone that's really high ticket for that. Yeah. I remember when I moved to Vegas, I was uh, making a lot with crypto at the time and I was like, all right, I've always said my first hire will be like a private chef. Yeah. Dude, he wanted like 12K a month. I'm like, that's just me. He has like four (laughs) other clients. I was like, holy But this guy had like TV shows and stuff, so yeah. it made sense. Um, let's talk sports cars. You you made a claim that you drive your sports cars for free. Yeah. How did you pull that off? So I I have a Range Rover and a Maserati Ghibli, and I rent those two on Turo, mm-hmm. and they'll make me like three hundred bucks a day, three ten ish, three twenty ish, and then I just use that cash flow and then pay for the cars. Mm. So they'll get rented out for twenty two, twenty three days out of the month, and then if you times that by you know three hundred twenty bucks, three hundred bucks it's almost seven grand mm. so that seven grand i can then pay the cars off with okay so you so, finance the car yeah 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 so i'll find I, the payments are about six grand for all of them together okay so it i make a little bit of money wow yeah but it kind of sucks because literally two days ago i let a guy go on turo rent the ghibli he comes back and there's a crack on the back of my windshield now oh. there's actually a law in florida where, like, technically, if you have insurance and you haven't had any problems, you can get a free windshield. Oh, really? So I'm kind of pumped about that. But, like, still, I don't know what happened. But someone was definitely using my car for a music video and stepped on the car and, like, uh, broke the glass. And I was pissed. That's not good. You'll Fun probably end up seeing that music video somewhere yeah. one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what do you think of uh, cancel culture? Because after what happened with Penguins, you got your phone number leaked, thousands of calls, and people are going at you. Yeah, um, and then on top of that, my TikTok got banned. Oh, why? So I, as soon as that video went out on our profile, like my main one, that's where it first went, and then everybody else picked it up. But it got like 2 million views within like an hour, and then like my TikTok just got banned. Whoa. And it was that bad. I think it just got too many views too fast, and I mean, yeah, I cursed twice in the video, but like that's freedom of speech, whatever. You could curse on TikTok, Yeah, but it's like... But the claim that I was making got so many people triggered to where the comments were, like, literally terrible, man. Like, the comments, people were just, like, you know, telling me to do X, Y, and Z to myself and et cetera. And it was, like, that's terrible. Oh, okay. So I think TikTok, just, like, whoever was monitoring it, I got over, like, a 1,000 comments within an hour. It was just, like, thread, 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 and then replying and then all the likes. It was just nuts. Um, But I think that, like, the whole cancel culture is ridiculous. I think that people should be able to say what they want to say. That's the whole point of the – 
of the um, you know amendment. Yeah. It's like, why can I not say what I want to say? That's freedom of speech. Facts. Now, are there some things that like people say that is, you know, sometimes like out of pocket or out of line? Like, yeah. But at the end of the day, we're still entitled to what what we want to say, and we have to deal with the consequences of what we say. But mm-hmm. we deal that from people to people, not from like institution to user. Right. I think it's just. I think it's just overdone. Yeah, so you're not a fan of social media platforms banning people. No, no. And the whole thing that happened to Tate, too, is terrible. Yeah. It's like someone that's trying to help men get out of a rut should not be canceled. Like, I just don't think that they want men to actually be completely masculine. I think that they're afraid of that, which is insane. Seems like it. The more you look into it and see, like, especially the food stuff, man. Yeah. Like, what they're feeding. Oh, jeez. And the tap water and all this. When you combine it all in the TV programming, it's like, holy been brainwashed my whole life yeah that's terrible and it's like now i'm thinking you know like like i was in my hotel and i was thirsty and i was like all right like do i go all the way across the street or do I just take a quick thing of tap water oh, and no. i'm like then i'll go to the across the street yeah. oh, no. <laughs> but but even like bottled water is not even that good for you now yeah with the microplastics so yeah. it's hard to like really well now they got like alkaline alkaline water yeah. I guess that's good for you. I don't know. I know Voss is pretty good. I, I like Voss. Yeah, I try to drink out of glass as much as I can. Yeah. Just because the microplastics. And uh, yeah, I don't know. But what do you think out of uh, Tate getting out of jail? I think whatever podcast he's on next is going to be the <laughs> most viral thing ever. Like, yeah. there's people out there bidding right now for, like, having him as a guest. Yeah. Oh, it's, like, up to five to something million. What? Oh, yeah, it's nuts. Whoa. Oh, yeah. He looked um, pretty swole coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. He also has a ton of hair. Yeah. Looks like Jesus. He even grew some hair up top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess he wasn't lying when he said he goes bald for a re- yeah. for his own sake. Yeah. It's just like, you know, whatever they're going to jail for or whatever they're getting accused of. I don't remember the specifics, but all I know is it's like, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like it's, people are saying it was planned. I'm like, that's kind of bold. That's bold. Uh I don't know, but that's all the conspiracy stuff. So, like, when you when you talk about controversial stuff, always goes viral. Of course, it is. Yeah. Because that starts a discussion where everybody can put their you know opinion in. The thing that I made a really good point of on um, another podcast I was on was that the reason why controversial stuff and conspiracies get a lot of views and attention, it's not only because of the fact that you start a thread. It's because if you start talking about how to grow your business, hire open, you know, hire opens on your email list and, you know, actually scaling a brand. There's only a certain amount of people who can actually contribute to that conversation. Right. It's a very small like mound of people. But then when you talk about, you know, what to not do with your girlfriend and what to not do with your boyfriend, what to not do with this, everybody can pitch in. Right. So the barrier to entry is just so low. And we don't think about it like that sometimes because we're always like, oh, like, you know, all my audience should be business owners. All my audience should be entrepreneurs that can be able to pitch into this conversation about Facebook ads. Yeah. But then I realized like not a lot of people are actually that smart. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like not a lot of people have common sense either. Yeah. And people will take the smallest thing and then take it out of context because they just want to have an opinion. They want to feel heard. They want to be a part of a discussion. I feel that I noticed with my clips, especially the more specific ones about crypto or Facebook ads don't get as many views. Yeah. It's like the girlfriend or gambling or <laughs> stuff, you know, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. But then those are the same people, though, that complain about, like, being broke and not being taken seriously. And I'm like, your inputs and conversations are completely different. Yeah. Like, the world's going to give you what you deserve. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. What's your dating life been like now that you've had success and money? Has it been a weird uh, dynamic? 
Uh, yeah, it honestly has. Um, I had to learn the hard way. So, like, obviously, when you start making money, it's, like, kind of hard to kind of, like, pull yourself away and detach yourself. Like, you're excited about something that maybe your parents never had or you never thought that you would actually experience. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I started doing, like, six figures a month and I was like, oh, like, you know, I won. Like, I made it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is cool. And then I realized that, number one, like, making money is boring. And number two is you think you attract better women in your life, but you attract the worst women possible. Mm. Like the ones that are entitled think that they deserve stuff. And it's like, like I went through my, my dating realm of, you know, dating women who like just wanted to be around me because they just wanted stuff for free, mm. you know, free tickets to baseball games and going down this vacation and doing this and going out to dinner here, places they would never go with anybody else right. or on their own. And, um, I thought it was fulfilling cause I was like, oh, like this is cool. Like I can actually like treat somebody well. Mm -hmm. But then I realized that there was the advantage part of like being taken advantage of. And I didn't realize that. And I had to learn that the hard way. Yeah. And then, you know, um, the girl that I'm with now, I was with her last year and then we kind of like broke things off cause I was just really busy with my business and I didn't know how to separate business and personal. Mm -hmm. I was really bad at that. And I won't to admit that I, I was really bad. You know, I would be sitting at dinner at eight o'clock, like handling stuff on my phone. I was addicted. Yeah, that's really like you probably went through that phase. Yeah, yeah. I think every like, entrepreneur does. And it's like you're sitting there, and you're just like, like, yeah, she's important, but like I'm still on my own path. Mm -hmm. But then having the balance to separate those two is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Because then you kind of have to lose control, and giving up control is the hardest thing for a business owner, especially when you build something from the ground up and it's like your baby. Right. That was the toughest thing for me. But Facts. now we're back together and we're like, you know, figuring things out. Nice. So it's, it's good. It's good. So how did you find that balance between work and relationship? Do you take the weekends off? Oh, uh, yeah. Weekends I take off. I don't like if I go out, like some of my friends actually don't even understand the stuff that I do. But like we went on a trip a couple weekends back for my friend's bachelor party. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yo, we're at a bachelor party. And they all brought their laptops. And I'm like, I left my laptop at home. <laughs> and they're like, you did? I'm like, yeah. Why are we on our laptops and we're celebrating somebody's bachelor party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're funny. like, well, there's nothing to do. It's 8 o'clock. I'm like, let's go do hookah. We don't want to do hookah. I'm like, all right, let's go get a drink. Let's go, like, take a walk. Uh, like, I have to write an email. I'm like, dude, that's insane to me. It's like, that's not something where it's, like, just a weekend vacation. Go in, check in real quick for an hour. It's like, it's a bachelor party. Like, come on. Like, put the laptop at home. You can leave your business for two days. You're not mm -hmm. going to die. Your clients aren't going to leave you. If they do, they're not. you're not your right clients. But, yeah. like, it's just... I feel like those are the small things that I had to do to achieve that balance. Right. Like being able to like go go on a flight and not have to worry about the Wi-Fi. Like some people are like, oh, like I got this credit card so I can get free Wi-Fi on a plane. I'm <laughs> like, dude, you are bottlenecked if you need Wi-Fi on a plane. Just relax. Read a book. Listen to some music. You don't need Wi-Fi on a plane. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, it's a good. That's one thing I learned from Ty Lopez. He said he would bring like hella books on the plane. Yeah. Just read them. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's your relationship with money? Is it the most important thing for you or is it top three or is it even on your top three? Um, I would say it's third. Okay. Cause it gives me the freedom to have number one, which is my solitude. I like my solitude a ton. Um, I, like I was saying before, I learned that the hard way. I thought that being busier and having more people take my attention was important to making more money, mm. but it drives you crazy and it leads you completely off your path into insanity. Mm. So first thing, solitude, like I don't. I don't really care about a lot of the things that most people care about. Um, like, for example, you know, like, um, you know, just the way I dress. Like, I don't really dress crazy 
Mm-hmm. Like I just I'll throw on sweatpants, quick socks. Like I don't really care about that shit. Yeah. I only have like five shirts that I own. I really? don't care about. Yeah. I just have five McLaren shirts. That's all I own, <laughs> dude. I literally don't own anything else. Is it the same shirt or are they? Different? It's this, and then like one that's completely orange. Then I have a white one, a black one, and then a blue one. Okay. And that's it. And I literally live out of a suitcase. Wow. I I don't have a, a I don't have hangers. I don't have a, a, like a whole spiel wow. at home. No, because if I put all my stuff in my luggage, if I want to go travel, I just zip it up and leave. I don't have to worry about going to the bathroom, going to the closet, folding everything. Like, dude, who gives a I'm just like, throw it in the thing, <laughs> close it up, let's rock. Like, yeah, that's yeah. it. And there's a lot of things that, like, people do on a daily basis that just drives me crazy. Like, that's why I went at the whole gym thing. Right. Because people pre-cut their meals, they do these shaker bottles. They, I'm like, dude, what the f*** are you doing? Mm. Like, that takes so much time. For me to do all that, I'd rather just Uber eat something or go out to eat and have somebody serve me. Why are you doing all that? Mm. It just Oh, the makes meal prep. All that stuff. It's like, dude, that's so much headspace. Like, I can never, never commit to that. Right. And, um, like, I, I do the pre-cut meals where they just ship them to the house or you throw them in the fridge. I'm like, oh, yeah. 600 bucks a month. That's called automation. Like, I don't want to be doing that. Yeah, I've done So it's before. like, I don't know. I, 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 I like my solitude. Second to me is, like, freedom, mm. time freedom. Okay. Um, I don't ever want to feel like I'm punching a clock that pisses me off more than anything. When people are like, Oh, we got to be here. We got to pick up this person. We got to do this. Oh, this person, like the amount of times that I had a lot of friends and we would try to do something, trying to organize an event with a ton of people who are not entrepreneurs or have any resolution of time is Mm -hmm. the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, um, and that moves money down to number four. Number three is like my peace. And not having a lot of friends. I know that sounds insane, but I don't have a lot of friends for a reason. It's too much drama. You try to organize things with people and they just like don't hold their end of the bargain. Right. Like even two two to three weeks ago, I planned the bachelor party and I was like, hey guys, like I got the Airbnbs. Like, can you Venmo me? Blah, blah, blah. Because they got to put their end of the bargain. It took people like five, six days just to Venmo me. I'm like, dude, it's not that hard. It takes five minutes. And then like getting people in the car to leave. Mm-hmm. is the biggest oh, I hate that. inconvenience. Everyone's like, I got to go pee. I got to do this. <laughs> My hair is messed up. Like, that's dude, a, yeah. get in the f***ing car. That's like, a pet peeve of mine. Dude, it's ridiculous. Like, if I have to wait for somebody, yeah. it's not that I'm impatient. It's like, it's like, dude, we're not going to, like, a ball yeah. or we're not going to this crazy dinner or whatever. Like, just get in the car. For real. You got to respect the Uber's time, too. Yeah. Like, they're waiting. Yeah. And people don't get that because they're entitled. Most people are entitled. They're like, oh, this is my time. And it's like, dude, like other people have to do too. Yeah. Just like interesting. So it's number four for you, but early on in your career, it's probably number one. Yeah, right? it was. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like yeah. a lot of people start that way. Yeah, because I, I started off looking at my parents, seeing how they lived. Yeah. My dad would get at home at Friday six o'clock and just sit there and be mad while eating mm. because it was Friday. All the bills come in on Friday, mm. and like he was just pissed off. Right. He's like, oh, I came and enjoy my meal. My family's not eating with me. I'm like, dude, how can we eat with you when you're being a d-? Yeah. It's like he would just get mad. He would like slam his fist on the table. He used to get mad about money. And I was like, dude, I never want to feel like that. That's terrible. Right. So and your like, family lived paycheck to paycheck growing up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, that's rough. I mean, we had a little bit of money left over to like go on small vacations, but it was nothing like ever insane that I could do now. Yeah. Like staying at the Ritz or the Four Seasons was never a conversation. Right. Never. Or like using credit card points to travel for free. That was never a conversation. I never learned about that stuff. Yeah. Like never. I had to learn that through just mentors and stuff. Why do you think over 60% of the U.S. lives paycheck to paycheck? Because that's comfortable. Because, I, okay. 
Let me elaborate. I think the reason why that is is because people don't actually know like what money feels like. And I feel like they stick with what they were taught when they were a kid. Mm. So it's like, all right, my parents made this amount of money. Then this is my benchmark. Mm. So like them living paycheck paycheck also, it's easy. It's easy to not have any friction because as soon as you tell somebody, hey, you're not going to live paycheck to paycheck anymore. You're going to work an extra two hours a day when you get home from work and build a side hustle and start making more money. Now nah, I'm good. I'd rather watch Netflix. <laughs> yeah, fact. So it's like that kind of friction and making people work. As soon as they're like, oh, I'm out of my job because once they leave their job, they don't take their job home. Mm-hmm. And I think people actually enjoy that. Because they're like, all right, once I clock out of five, I'm done. Mm. Like my job will never contact me outside of work because the corporate world, they usually don't. They just let you leave. They're like, all right, fuck it, see you at nine. Yeah. So it's like they like that that piece of mm. like, okay, you know what? I don't want to be bothered. Because as soon as you give them friction when they're outside of work, they just fold. And most people fold when it's friction. Also, it's because of imposter syndrome and shiny object syndrome. When people are making money paycheck to paycheck and they get a little bit of money left over, they buy something shiny, which then sets them back six months again. Mm. Either a new car or a vacation that they shouldn't be buying, the new iPhone. Dude, more people. Most of my entrepreneur friends that actually make seven to eight figures don't buy the new iPhone every year. The people who have all the time on their hands that are making 5K a month, 4K a month, they're the ones who are buying the new iPhones every year. Mm. Like little things like that that I see. Like I don't buy the new iPhone. Why do I need that? Yeah. But people buy it because it's shiny. Yeah, facts. I do it every like three, four years, I'd say. Yeah, because yeah. it's like you don't feel like that's the thing that's going to like move the needle in your life. It's just like a phone. It's yeah. like who cares if it's the new iOS update? Like no one cares. I don't know. So you hang out with a lot of seven, eight-figure, nine-figure guys. What are some common traits you see in all these people? Um, The biggest thing that I see that social media is trying to shove down people's throats is waking up early. Like not a lot of them do that. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of my friends wake up early. Um, they wake up when they want to. Um, one thing I do see though is they have a really good relationship with like time. Mm -hmm. And I see that a lot. Like they value their times really at like a high level. Um, they also have good relationships with their mother. Mm. Like for people who are seven, eight figure entrepreneurs, if they don't have a good relationship with their mom, they're usually not like, they're usually not in the headspace to be able to then give love and something to like a business or being a leader in your business and and having team members and like that kind of, you know, empathetic behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I've seen that a lot. Like when people have bad relationships with their mom, I'm Mm -hmm. like, that's probably why you're not making a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely a red flag. Cause that means that they don't understand what feeling love is actually like. Right. So then them giving love to something is kind of tough. Mm-hmm. And also that comes with empathy. So they don't have empathy for other people's situations, which makes them very hard to communicate. Like mm. being a good communicator is a really good indicator as well of being a 70-figure entrepreneur. Yeah. But it all starts with their family. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, family is super important. But sometimes I feel like uh, your family can drag you down too. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it just it just depends on like I think how you perceive what your family is trying to do for you. Cause obviously your family is looking in your best interest, Yeah. but some households are massively violent. Like the parents are attacking you. They're always stressed. They're taking all their stress and anxiety out on you, making you feel right. bad because it's easy to, um, because when you're a kid, you don't really feel like you have a voice in the household. You're not yeah. the household owner. You're not the leader. So I feel like that's where a lot of kids, uh, feel like they're like, you know, basically getting put down from an early age. It's kind of hard for them to evolve. Yeah. We'll wrap, wrap up on this. With the emergence of AI and all these trends, what would your advice be to high schoolers, college kids looking to start making 10K a month? 
Um, geez. I mean, the biggest thing for AI is that you have to understand how to not let it automate you, how you can use it to automate your actual revenue generating tasks throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Like right now I'm focusing on cutting payroll and using AI to supplement payroll. Um, because my, I mean, my, my payroll is pretty high, but then I'm looking at what chat GPT is doing, creative AI, all these things. And I'm like, dude, we can automate so many things for our clients. Um, I think that also with AI, it's like, there's the trading bots. There's all the other ways that you can make money with it. It honestly depends on the niche. And if you're willing to build the right systems to make sure that you don't get automated because right. yeah, AI is a double-edged sword. You can use it in your current business already making money to automate things. But if you're getting into the space, don't pick a niche that has all this stuff through AI because then some software will overhaul you mm. and you don't have much economies of scale. Yeah. Do you think AI is a fad or you think it's here to stay? Oh, it's definitely here to stay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's here to stay. I think that, um, you know, like copywriting and email and stuff like that is going to start to get automated pretty quick. SMS marketing is going to get automated pretty quick. People are building websites right now on AI through code. Wow. So a lot of these like marketing services that, that people sell are going to start to get automated. I'm a little afraid of it because we do those services, but like the, the human touch though is going to be hard to automate. And that's right. what I'll always say is like the human touch always wins. Um, that's true. But people don't like as much friction. So people are always going to go to those things first mm -hmm. because it's cheaper and you don't have to talk to people as much. And people sometimes don't like talking to people. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's kind of hard to get them out of that headspace. Yeah. Uh, dude, it's been a pleasure. Any closing thoughts and where people can find out more about you? Yeah. Uh, I'm on Instagram, the Jason Wojo, uh, YouTube as well. You can just search Jason Wojo there. Uh, we post content every single day. And uh, if you're a business owner looking to run ads, you can just hit the link in my Instagram bio and book a call. Perfect. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Digital Social Hour. I'll see you next week.